everybody. Uh, we're back again. Uh, it's early in the morning. I'm all puffy faced from climbing out of bed. And uh, but I did it. I did it because uh, we, I have one of my good friends. And I'm not just saying that. Uh, Liz, Liz, over the years has become a great friend. And not only that, uh, just a, a real encouragement to my life, to Iris. And uh, I really wanted to get her on here so you get to hear and see uh, a, a piece of some of what God's doing in Mozambique that we might not always hear about, but insanely powerful, crazy story, crazy testimony, and just a real beautiful, beautiful missionary that we have that's doing a, a fantastic work in Mozambique with Iris on our on our Pemba base and actually out, but she'll get into that. We are here with the amazing Liz Glem. Glem, Gleam, Gleam. Which Gleam. one is it, Liz? Gleam. Gleam. Liz Gleam. <laughs> are you going to give me a lot of one one word answers, Liz? You like, Come on, girl. <laughs> We're going to do this. So, uh, yeah, Liz, how long have you been in Pemba? Uh, six years now. Wow. 2020 years, yep. So you're you're actually coming into like OG status in Pemba. You're... You, there's, there seems to be a threshold of like two years. Once people cross that, they step into a new role. You've definitely done that. Liz, uh, and, and then I'm going to, I just want to share a little bit about what you do, and then I'm going to let you run, girl. Um, Liz uh, runs uh, our Iris Farm in, uh, um, I want to say Matouge, but it's not. It is... Uh, Miezi. Miezi. I'm sorry. I knew it was one of those M words. And, yes. and I don't know if you know this, Liz, but Miezi is very special to me because I was on the first outreach to Miezi um, something like 16 years ago. And we got, uh, we there was a riot. There was the first time I had rocks thrown at me and we got uh, <laughs> pushed out of there with violence uh, when we brought the mm -hmm. gospel there to the to the little, um, out of the side of the road there uh, when you pull mm -hmm. into Miezi. And... Uh, and to now see what's what's happening there with the, the church and the, the children's center and now the farm. It's just such a beautiful example of how the Lord comes and brings uh, transformation to a city. And as the gospel goes out, uh, it, it's spectacular. So, OK, uh, Liz, give us a little bit of backstory. Uh, yours is one of my favorite stories and actually how you ended up in Pemba. And uh, so so uh, but I'll let, I'll let you say that. Um, and, and I want to encourage all of you that are watching, um, you're not going to want to miss this. You're not going to turn this off. I know that we have a lot of people that are probably well-known, but Liz is more well-known in the kingdom than most people I know. And I just want <laughs> so, so, uh, so you're not going to want to miss a second of this. But okay, so tell everybody how you got to Pemba. Um, well, back in 2012... I think it was, I was living and working um, down in Norfolk, Virginia at the time uh, for a greenhouse company and one of my best friends invited me to come here, um, this lady that was speaking at her university and it turns out it was Heidi and so I went with my best friend and her husband and we heard Heidi speak and um, yeah, she was pretty crazy and I'd never heard anybody talk like that um, or act like that or you know, you know how Heidi is um, when she speaks at conferences, you know, it's really powerful. So it kind of like messed with me. And uh, so a couple days later, I was um, online trying to figure out what Iris was about and everything. So I just, you know, Googled the website. And one of the things that popped up was uh, 
a link to the farm because I think as a farmer that was just getting started. Um, and being involved in agriculture, that sparked an interest for me. So I sent an email off about the farm. Um, had no interest in missions or children or preaching the gospel or anything that I think Iris is really all about. Right. Um, and then at the time, the couple that was running the farm, Jeff and Heidi Reed, they immediately replied and through a series of emails, they said, well, why don't you just come out and visit the farm? And I thought that was a pretty wild invitation. Um, so I thought, yeah, for sure. I would love to go see a farm in Africa. So February 2013, took a month off work, went out, spent a month with them living out in Miezi because they didn't live on base, um, which I thought was normal. I didn't think people... I didn't really understand how it works, so I thought that was really normal. Spent a month out there, um, you know, got really, really impacted by it. And at the end of the month, they sat down and had a conversation with me and said, would you consider, you know, um, you know, maybe praying about coming more long-term and, you know, doing a harvest school? And, uh, yeah, I thought, <laughs> okay, didn't really see that coming, but I'll pray about it, you know. And so I prayed about it and thought, like, okay. And, you know, they had shared about their daughter had done harvest school and their son-in-law and, you know. So I prayed about it. I applied, you know, and I came to harvest school. And I just am a very literal person, literal thinker. And I thought harvest school meant, like, this was Iris's, you know, agriculture training school. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it made sense to me, all these books we had to read and everything, because, you know, we're probably going to do supernatural things in farming. And so when I came to uh, Harvest School in 2013, Harvest School 19, I uh, had quite a surprise um, in discovering that not everybody was as passionate about agriculture as I was. Most of them, actually none of them, had any interest in it at all. So, um, And I was a little bit confused why all these people came to Harvest School without a plan. You know, um, a lot of people, you know, come expecting to hear from God and then they go and I people were like yeah I don't really know what I'm doing here and I thought well I know exactly why I'm here the farm you know um and so that's that's kind of how the journey started so you went through harvest school thinking that it was an mm -hmm. agricultural school I love that that's probably I mean I figured out like like week like hour two of being on base that it wasn't so <laughs> I think you're like hey far. nobody's talked to me about planting seeds yet <laughs> nope <laughs> did you would you say that you had like a solid walk with the Lord at this point in your life or yeah uh, like... yeah um I would say that I had a, a good foundation mm -hmm. um but the supernatural was very very new to me um the Holy Spirit was very unknown to me um but the the basics um I definitely was raised you know with those new um, you know, the foundations of Christianity and stuff. But, but I mean, Papa Roland's first class threw me for a loop. So. <laughs> Roland definitely has a way of, uh, uh, yeah, putting everything in perspective very fast. Okay, so you, you finished yeah. Harvest School. and Because yep. um, we get asked a lot, like, hey, how do you become a, a missionary with Iris? And there's a lot of ways. Um, mm -hmm. But you, you finished it. Did you go back home or did you, did you end up staying? Uh, I went back home just briefly. Um, the school I did finished in early December, so I went back home and spent Christmas and a couple weeks in January with my family, knowing that I was planning on coming back at the end of January. So I think it was like five or six weeks I went home after I finished school and then came back. And so you started out on the farm, 
and mm-hmm. give us a give us a just a taste of what the farm was when you began. Uh, the farm back in 2013, um, Jeff and Heidi Reed were managing it, and they did a phenomenal job of pioneering They're, it. Those um, guys are amazing. Uh, Jeff and Heidi, if you're watching this, we love you. Miss you guys. Yeah. Yeah. They they are true heroes. Um, <laughs> they are, yeah. They are amazing people um, and very, very instrumental in my life. Um, they're yeah. like spiritual parents to me. And um, but anyways, they they had they had um, built a house out there, and they had so the farm is about 126 acres, and mm-hmm. so I think at that point they had cleared probably about like 55 to 60 acres, um, and we're just kind of opening it up, um, just getting started with the Moringa project, which is I just came on to to serve under them and to help um, specifically with the Moringa project. That was the only thing that um, I kind of had in mind and. I guess the only plan, if you get a plan. <laughs> well, okay, so for those, uh, I didn't know what Moringa was. Even I lived there; it was uh, all around me. I didn't know about. It. So just, yep. just really quick, tell people what Moringa M- Moringa is. Um, it's a plant that grows naturally here in sub-Saharan Africa. It has super high amounts of nutrients, specifically protein, iron, vitamin C, um, and a whole bunch of other vitamins. So it's eaten um, in Matapa, which is in that like a very common national dish here um but also you can make a powder out of it which has super amounts of nutrients so we were going to get in to start um producing that so and and uh matapa another that's another mozambican word it is one of it is my favorite dish i know everybody loves the chicken in mozambique for me you give me matapa all day long i love that stuff rosalina's matapa is the best. Okay, so we're go- we're doing a bunch of inside stuff. I'll try to explain it. To be- okay, so Rosalina <laughs> was we my wife and I we were living in Mozambique. Uh, we needed help. My wife was pregnant, and uh, I was we were always looking to hire somebody, bring somebody into our house, you know, mentor uh, and hi- and give somebody a job from the f- from the local village. And we at that point there was a sewing program, and uh, mm-hmm. I went down to the sewing program. Um, and I asked the, the, the head of the, the, the sewing school, like, who's the, who's the best, who's the most in need. And, uh, and they walked me over to Rosalina who was sitting there and, and it was so great because, uh, oh man, who was running the sewing school at that time? That was uh, the couple from New Zealand. Mm. Um, but they, they walked, they walked me over and they're like, yeah, she's not that good at sewing, but we really think she's amazing. So, uh, Rosalina, who is now a full part of our family, uh, she was mm-hmm. with with us for three years, and then when we left, my sister um, just snatched her up. I know there was like a there was like a uh, a fight uh, from other missionaries that wanted to bring her in, and uh, she's she's a part of my family. I love I love that woman, but she makes the best matapa mm-hmm. in all of Mozambique. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I love, I absolutely love her. <laughs> um, okay. So, so you guys, so you went out to the farm, uh, wasn't, mm-hmm. they, they had started, uh, this, this amazing work, but where, yeah. where mm-hmm. it was started to where it is today is, is really night and day. Um, just like pioneering anything, it takes time to break ground and plow and, Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what mm-hmm. you have done over the years um, is spectacular. So so tell us where it is today and and what you're doing on the farm. 
Um, so right now we have 31 um, local Mozambicans that um, are employed. They have work contracts. Um, and we have two locations. So we have the original farm. And then through the Miezi Church, we have another farm down along the river. So we have kind of two teams, um, 11 guys that work down by the river, and then the rest of them that work up at the original farm with us. And each of those farms has a Mozambican um, general manager, uh, Mario and Dinu, and they're phenomenal. And then within that, we've split the guys into different groups. Um, so we have different teams within that, people that work in the Moringa Project, that work in strictly vegetables, um, people that work in the corn, um, beans, um, kind of the larger crops. Um, and we're producing Moringa on kind of a larger scale now. So producing orders in tons instead of just, you know, in kilos. Um, we've gotten our export license, so we've been able to export into South Africa. We've gotten our organic license, so we're USDA organic certified and EU organic certified. Um, and just this week, we got lab tests back from a Moringa sample that we submitted so that we can apply to be FDA approved um, also. So, um, but more importantly, I think um, the farm has grown spiritually and the guys have taken ownership of it. Um, normally, if, if it were a normal season, um, I would be out at the farm six days a week, you know, get up. We start with prayer at six and you know, work till, till one in the afternoon. Um, but last year with the cyclones, I wasn't able to be at the farm very much. And then now this year, um, through the COVID stuff and some unrest in the area, I can't be there very much. And um, the farm continues to thrive. You know, last year with the cyclones, kind of um, March, April, May, for us, that's our rainy season into harvest season. So that's our busiest time of the year. So that's the most unfortunate time to have to be absent, you know? Yeah. Um, and then again, this year, it kind of hit the exact same time frame, you know? And, uh, and they haven't missed a beat, you know? They, they, they've done amazing, are doing amazing, and continue to do amazing, you know? Um, I have incredible leadership. I have an amazing family out there. Um, and through, you know, phone calls or, you know, Skype, you know, it seems weird, but to have to Skype your team that's, you know, down the road 20 minutes. But, you know, when you can't, when you can't get out there um, for several weeks at a time and, and they know, they know without, without having to, you know, even be told. They're yeah. telling me, hey, you forgot to mention this, you forgot this, but we did this, you know. And so they've harvested, you know, they did the whole corn crop, you know, they did the whole sesame seed crop. They've transplanted all the lettuce for this year. They've gotten the tomatoes started. So to really realize that I can I can totally not not be there um, and have very little um, input and to see it thriving, you know. Um, on days that I do get to go out there, you know, we, we, we sit and we chat and we pray together. Um, and they said, Mono Liz, we, we liked having you here, but we don't really need you. And that's the <laughs> truth. And that's probably as a missionary, the, one of the most honoring things that you can hear um, is, is we really love your presence, but we don't need it. You yeah. know? Um, Liz, so. one of the things that I noticed on my last visit out to the farm, and I, I actually wanted to pick your brain on this, is um, you carry a level of discipleship that. I don't, you don't really see without, you know, massive training and, you know, people that have studied discipleship and you, 
yeah, you carry it more than most. Can you just walk us through, like, did you, did you study this or did you, or is this just natural for you? Because (laughs) just tell, tell me about that. Like, how do you go from being in, you said Virginia? (laughs) Yeah. Starting at, you know, wanting to get into agriculture to now running uh, an insanely beautiful discipleship program on top of a full-time farm. Um, I think that I, I, I have never done any ministry training aside from harvest school. Um, and I, I don't know, I've never done a discipleship course or training, but for me, I just tried to model what I saw my dad always doing, you know, as a kid, um, and what I saw my grandpa doing. And for them, you know, you know, my dad always said, if you wanted to hear a man's heart, you know, give him something to do with his hands. And I just, I think you naturally have these conversations, especially something about physical labor just brings out and brings up conversations. You know, there's yeah. something about having blisters on your hands, going through a long day in the sun and, and you kind of build um, just a bond with people. And so from that, you know, we were already having real conversations. Um, I didn't know any Portuguese or any Makua when I came there. And so that was a little bit of a, a little bit of a hurdle, but, you know, as we worked through it, I thought, you know, let, let's just take the couple words and phrases that we know. And so it just started with me having a conversation with my farm manager and hearing his heart. And then those conversations kind of picked up and I thought, well, let's just read the Bible together and talk about it. And and so we started doing that. And, uh, and then, you know, after I read for several months and kind of stumbled through some things, you know, <laughs> had my... Our manager, Mario, you know, he would do it. And I think my heart was always that I might give them some sort of a rough example that they could kind of follow. Um, and so I think the best way to learn something is to to do it yourself, you know, and yeah. like teaching somebody to drive a tractor doesn't do any good if I sit on the tractor the entire time and tell you everything, you know, until you feel it in your hands, um, it doesn't click. And so... We just started saying, you know, who wants to who wants to share next week? You know, it's real simple. You you read a verse, you know, we can sit down with you and, and talk about it and then and then you pray about it and, and share. And we just kinda went from there. And the confidence just started growing and you know, I think some of the most amazing insights and profound teachings that I've ever heard um, have come come from our guys out on the farm. So it just kind of grew from there. Um, and so we have a little discipleship team and uh, we meet together and then each guy knows, you know, he usually gets one one uh, day out of the month and they prepare and we go from there. So that's just kind of how it grew. Wow. Um, t- talk to us a little bit if, if, if you feel comfortable about your family and uh, mm-hmm. is that okay? Can we, can we, because I, sure. I think, as I as I hear the testimonies, of course, your your story in coming to Pemba and your harvest school experience, but then what what's gone on in in your in your personal life uh, with your family? Uh, I got I've been able to meet your sister, who is equally spectacular. <laughs> um, but there's a whole story in that, and I and I and if you feel comfortable, I would love for you to share uh, a little bit of that. Um, because I think people are really good at making excuses on why they can't, why they shouldn't, why they're unable to, or the things that life has thrown at them that disqualifies mm-hmm. them. And every time I see you, 
Uh, I just see the the opposite. I mean, if I'd gone through half of what you've gone through, I would be in a corner, uh, you know, getting inner healing uh, 24 hours a day. Um, but uh, but yeah, would you mind sharing a little bit of your sure. of your history? Sure, sure. Um, I was very fortunate to be born into an amazing family. My mom and dad were both Christians and really, um, really loved Jesus passionately. So. Um, I have a younger sister who's four years younger than me, Hillary, and um, I think the first 10 years of life were pretty just normal and wonderful and fantastic, and um, my dad was a carpenter, and he built houses. My mom was a primary school teacher, um, and me and my sister, you know, my dad built the house that we lived in, and life was really beautiful. Went to church on Sundays and Wednesday nights, and I didn't know it then, but my parents just, they modeled such an amazing example of Jesus. Um and then my mom got sick when I was 10. She had a brain tumor and um, fought a battle with cancer that she lost um, after two years. And so then when I was 12, she passed away. And um, yeah, that kind of sent, sent things into a bit of a tough stretch, tough season. Uh, my dad struggled a lot after that. And uh, yeah, we, we had some tough years. I would say my teen years, I wasn't... Uh, wasn't very happy with God. wasn't very happy with anybody, really. <laughs> so I saw my dad struggling, and for me, he was really my hero. You know, he was, from the time I was little, Superman, you know. Um, and seeing how loyal him and my mom were to the Lord, and then seeing how things just went downhill, and, you know, financially, the outfall from that, and forcing us to move, and just a whole bunch of changes, and just seeing, like, this is what my parents get for loving Jesus with all their hearts. You know, this is a pretty pretty crappy deal um it's what I saw you know right. and uh so I went through high school and you know I didn't didn't get into a lot of trouble but I definitely kept God at a very far distance and I think my dad did too you know he was he was really hurting and pretty distant during that time too um so I went into college and right about the time I started going to college my dad just got he just radically encountered Jesus in a way that I never knew was possible, you know, um, and just so much healing began to come back into him and he just became alive again. Um, I just remember one time coming home from college my freshman year and his eyes were different, you know, he was just full of love. And I don't even know that I'd ever seen him that happy, you know, even before mom got sick. And so we started having conversations and things and that seeing him come back to life was what brought me back to Jesus and wanting more, you know, not just back, but, but what's more, you know. So he became instrumental and just we grew really close and from having a very broken relationship. Um, by the time I graduated college, he was my best friend, you know, and uh, just speaking into my life. And so um, he actually was the first person to begin speaking missions into my life at a time when I was not interested at all. Um, so graduated university, moved down to Norfolk, Virginia, took this job and, uh, you know, a couple years later, hear Heidi speak. And so this this thing pops up, and, and my dad just will not let it go. You know, he's just praying into it, and he's just encouraging it, you know. And so um, after, I think it was about halfway through harvest school, I emailed him and said, Dad, like, this is this is it. I'm, this is where I'm going to give my life. I just know. And uh, and he was 100% behind me and said, absolutely, Liz, like, go for it. I 100% support you, and yes. And uh so he, he wanted to come see, you know, and I wanted to show him the farm. 
And uh, so he had said, you know, when you go back in January, I want to come for come for a month and just be out on the farm, work with you, see it, you know. And for me, that was like, there's nothing I wanted more than for him to come and see, you know, where I was going to be and launch into. So, so he came. And so this was, this was 2014 yeah. and came the end of January. I was supposed to be there till the end of February. And first week, you know, we were on the farm and it was amazing, you know, and incredible incredible time together conversations and then at the end of the first week um he suddenly he suddenly died um we were it was a sunday afternoon and uh we had gone to church and we were on the beach hanging out and it was getting to be late in the afternoon and i remember going for a walk trying to find him and it came up and he was he was just dead laying on the beach um i don't i mean i don't know i'll never know and that doesn't doesn't matter, you know, whether whether we have answers we feel we're justified to or not doesn't bring us any peace. You know, Jesus brings us peace. Um, but anyways, that was a fairly traumatic experience. And that kind of for me at the time was like, I'm done, you know, right. <laughs> I'm done with this. You know, this is this is it. Like like I watched mom and dad, you know, love Jesus with all their hearts. And then, boom, it all fell apart tragically. And then watch dad come back through this you know, beautiful time of healing and, and, you know, decided that, um, I wanted to give Jesus my whole heart, had that, you know, all the goosebump feels and all the tingly words that you get in harvest school that make you feel all happy about your destinies and everything. And then everything you see in front of you is the exact opposite of it. So, um, he passed away here and we, we buried him here. Um, so that was week one of being a long-term missionary and, uh, then I left. Flew back to the states. I, I actually um, I did not know that you buried your father in Pemba. Well, can I ask where? Yeah, yeah. The um, up by the provincial hospital, there's a yeah. cemetery that overlooks the bay. Yep. Yeah. And actually, our farm workers, our farm workers did the um, the whole funeral. You know, I didn't I didn't know them at the time, but um, even now, a couple weeks ago, I had somebody come up to me and, and say, "Oh yeah, I helped bury your dad." You know, and just forging relationships with people I didn't know at the time. Um, that six years later, um, as you get to know them, they were there, you know, and that's been, it's been really beautiful. Um, so it's, you know, it's life here and unfortunately we've buried a lot of family members of our farm workers together. Um, but it's, you know, there's a, there's a depth to the connection because, you know, they've been there and, and. They know, you know. Yeah, we. <laughs> so. we uh, I know that. I know that. Um, I know that graveyard well. Um, un- unfortunately, I we've buried more a couple of people over the years there. But uh, Baby Lori, I don't know if you ever heard the story of Baby Lori. Well, from Emmeline, you must have. Over yeah. The years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we buried her there. Um, Liz, how did you like? Just walk me through this because most people would have gotten on a plane and flew home and called it quits. My sister Emlyn, after she buried Lori and my sister raised Lori from uh, two weeks, no, I'm sorry, a month and a half old, um, I, I watched her face that same thing like, I'm done. I mean, but even more so with your father. How, how did you, like, w- most people would leave. Most people would be mm-hmm. justified in leaving. Uh, 
why did you stay? Like what, what caused you to stay? Well, I want to be real honest. When I, yeah, please. you know, after we married dad and I got on that plane to fly home to, you know, be with my family and do the memorial service in the States, I, I had no intention of coming back. I don't want to act like <laughs> I was, you know, okay with coming back from that moment. You know, I was pretty bitter and I was really angry at God. Um, so when I got on that plane with my sister, you know, to fly home, you know, there, there was, there was no thought of coming back. Um, so, and my dad passed away in February, um, and the rest of 2014 was pretty miserable. Um, there's a lot of challenges that unfolded, um, after he passed away. Um, and, uh, I just went back to work, you know, I, I went back to what I knew. So, and I was pretty angry. Yeah. mm -hmm. Went went back down to Virginia. At the time we were trying to sell, um, our house in Ohio. So that summer I would drive up, um, several times, um, on the weekend and, you know, help my family clean out, you know, dad had a bunch he was had a construction business, had a bunch of tools and stuff. So, you know, trying to do that and sell off that part of the business and sell off the house and stuff. And, you know, I want to say that my family was incredibly supportive during that time um, with me, and uh, but there was no there was no thought in my heart about going back. <laughs> there was no intention in anything of that, you know. Um, and I was pretty broken and miserable, you know. I think if you asked people I was around during that time, they'd probably tell you I was kind of a jerk, and that'd be justified in saying that, you know. <laughs> I've, I, I I've never seen that in you, but okay, I'll just take your word for it. Oh, um, yeah. So I went through, I went through 2014 and my goal in 2014 was, was to sell, sell our house and to just wrap up the estate and the business and to make sure that, um, my sister was taken care of and that we got things settled. Um, there was a long drawn out big drama with the life insurance. They thought that I had faked the life insurance claim because of all that, you know, he passed away overseas and obviously there's not autopsies and all that stuff. So that was a huge huge issue too. Um, so I just wanted to get through that and just go back to work, you know? Yeah. Um, I was bitter. I was angry. So, and then Jesus encountered me and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a lay on the floor harvest school moment. It, it wasn't the uh, tears in my eyes, holy man in a white robe in a dream. Yeah. It was it was a it was just a whisper and a simple knowing in the depth of my bones that I was to go back and when you know you know and it's not going to probably always feel good. That was the last place I wanted to go. Um but the only thing worse than hurting is you know knowing that you're not being obedient to what God's saying. And I knew that if Jesus was going to take me back, he was at least going to go with me. And so that had to be enough. Um, so at the end of 2014, I went back and, uh, yeah. I I love that. The whisper from Jesus, it, it had to be enough. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I, I love that it, for most people, uh, they, they say it'll be enough. Um, but when, when they reach that point, um, it doesn't always end up being enough. 
uh, for them. And I, I just, I think that's what separates you from a lot of people that I've met, Liz. And, uh, you know, I, I love your honesty because, you know, you say it was the worst I'd quit, you know, in your heart. Um, but that whisper called you back and, uh, I'm so grateful for that. We all are. I mean, uh, we, you know, we cheer you on as do so many people around the world. Um, I know you have a private Instagram account, um, but I feel like uh, people should uh, check it out. It's uh, if I'm going to say it, and you don't have to accept them if you don't want to, or do you not want me to? It's my favorite. Okay, you have you have my favorite. Like out of all the missionaries, there's a lot of great ones, but you have probably one of my favorites for for one reason. Number one, the the stuff you post is fantastic, but you are a proficient. Uh, Viper Slayer, and uh, on on Facebook and on Instagram, if you follow Liz, and it's uh, I think it's Liz Glem dot nine, I think something like that. Yeah, gosh, I'm good. Yeah, uh, you can you can follow her and see the farm, but my favorite is this this uh, Viper uh, killing uh, yeah person that you've become. My favorite is you got one with a with a like a spike through its head and it was like satan get behind me you're like satan you lose <laughs> you know and it's just a spike through its head and uh you deal with all this stuff that you have lions that come that come through there the the farm right you have like vipers yeah, they, we i i know Miezi had lions like 15 16 years ago mm-hmm. and i know there's talk of them being around the area i've never seen one but we have crocodiles and we have we have all the snakes we have boas you know we have pythons um puff adders black mambas feeding cobras so and you encounter these things on a continual basis oh weekly yeah <laughs> well not the crocodiles but the snakes yeah how does it how does a an amazing lady from ohio become a proficient uh mamba spitting cobra uh pit viper slayer I mean, I, I was scared of snakes growing up, but it's like anything else, I think, here in, in Pemba. You get confronted with your worst fears, and you can either, you know, kill them, or you can live in fear. So, you know, just kill it and move on. <laughs> so you got to check out Liz's uh, Instagram and her and her Facebook, if if she'll let you. I, I She hates the fact that I even mentioned that, but it's okay. Uh, it's my show. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Just a couple more minutes, if if you don't mind, because I know it's really late in Pemba right now, and I want to let you get back to uh, whatever you're doing. Um, you have had a w- uh, on our side back in Reading here. We deal with sending containers. We deal, you know, with a lot of stuff. We stay in contact with you guys, and um, one of the things that I've uh, enjoyed watching is there's like a group of farmers from Ohio or from Minnesota or something like that that has just basically adopted mm-hmm. you. I think there's one or two in particular. And yeah. we get the most yeah. beautiful letters like and requests. You basically have a group of I think like I, I think a little bit older gentlemen farmers that have yeah. lived their whole life farming that they pool together finance, they get together like tractors and supplies mm-hmm. and we stick them in containers and get them out to you. Um, mm-hmm. talk, talk to me about this community back in the States that's like just kind of taking you on. They're like, oh, okay, you're ours now. Well, I just want to say that that community, I mean, they've, they've been a part of my life since I was 
you know, five or six years old. Okay. You know, I grew up with them. And I grew up in a small town in, you know, central Ohio, based around agriculture. And so the, the gentleman that you're referring to, you know, Don Lee and the other guys in the local community, um, that's how we live life, you know, um, taking care of each other. So I grew up bailing hay for them. You know, I grew up um, crashing their tractors. I remember one time totally backing it into a, a grain bin. Um, I grew up cutting grass, you know, grew up doing FFA and 4-H with them. So these, these, I guess you could say, were my people before before that was like a thing. Um, and that's just that's just how agriculture communities are. That's how small town is, you know. Um, but something really beautiful that I didn't learn until recently, um, Don in particular, um, who's been, you know, just a huge part of my life and kind of my adopted father, him, his grandkids and I, we went through school together um, and just, yeah, I've known the family forever. But the night before my dad was flying to Africa um, to come to Pemba with me, you know, Don stopped by to see him late at night. Um, and my dad was trying to, you know, get some things wrapped up. And uh, my dad just, you know, had this sudden thought like, you know, if anything ever happens to me, will you promise to look after my girls? And, and likewise, you know, if anything happens to you, I promise to, to look after your kids. And they just kind of had this like, moment and they they spoke it between one another but they didn't tell anybody about it um and so i think that was just kind of an understanding that they'd had that just they gave a verbal commitment to um and don has fully stepped into that um and so you know the farming community is probably one of the strongest and closest knit communities in the in the states you know and i think worldwide really so when Don reaches out for a two-bottom plow, you know, people from, <laughs> from you know, Illinois and Nebraska start sending stuff. Yeah. Um, and people back home are, they're hard workers. And anything they can do to send you tools that they know will help you, you know, get the job done, that's their love language. Their love language is, is cheering you on and, and getting you the tools you need to get the job done. Um, and I... Yeah, and the group in Minnesota, you know, same thing, same mindset, same heart. They have the piece of the puzzle that has the containers and has the ability to send them here, you know. And Let, so that's just been a beautiful, beautiful let's, partnership. Let's chat about those guys really quick because they've been a huge part of what we're doing, not just mm -hmm. in feeding, but also getting equipment out. And we we do our best not to just get by with equipment. We do our best to get you the the best stuff. And I know Sean Ercoli on this side, the C OO of Iris Global, he's got that farm bug and all the tractor bug. Yep. I don't have that. I can maybe swing a hammer if I need to, but uh, <laughs> I grew up in Gloucester, so I can outfish you guys, but uh, I don't know anything about uh, planting. <laughs> um, they, they do our, we, we do our best to work with Matter, and I just mm -hmm. want to give a shout out to Matter in Minnesota. Those guys, they pack containers full of food, full of supplies, and they just send them out. Um, yeah, it takes a little bit to get there, uh, but such an amazing ministry out in Minnesota. A matter yeah, if you're watching, awesome. we just love you guys, and uh, mm -hmm. and and the fruit of what you've done is beyond what you what you can even imagine. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So so Liz, I, I just got one or two more questions before I let you go. Uh, you see a lot of people come. You see a lot of people go. Uh, you see a mm -hmm. lot of people that want to come that don't or create excuses. What would you speak like if you were to get um, – if there's somebody watching this right now, maybe 
small town, farming town, whatever, just they, they come from the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. They're not a part of this, like, you know, supernatural church movement, you know, fully plugged in, <laughs> but they feel the call of the Lord. What would you say to them? I would say to them, um, once the world, you know, opens back up for travel, I would say apply and take a trip. I'd say make make a trip, you know. Um, I think one of the most underappreciated or underestimated um, things on the mission field are really practical, mm. hardworking people. Um, I think a lot of times we praise, you know, the really gifted evangelists and we praise the really anointed teachers. And those people have their places 100%, you know. Um <laughs> but Go when your water it. pump breaks Go speak and, it. and your Land Rover won't start and the 220 blows a fuse, you need practical people here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I just, one of my heroes was Ed Palma, you know, and I think he set an example that I just to this day admire, you know, so much. And I, I always remember him and it was just, he did it quietly and he did it humbly and he did it with excellence. And I, you, you can never, you can never have enough Eds, you know. Um, and those people live the gospel in yeah. a way that people here still talk about. You know, I hear people talk about Ed and Rosa almost daily and the impact they had. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times, you know, maybe if you are from a small town in in hard work and um, this type of practical skills, you might think, well, you know, I don't know about raising the dead or you know all those miracles or stuff like that. Um, but you're probably one of the most well-equipped people out I, there, you know? I love that. And it's so, it's so true. Um, you know, when mm-hmm. Moosey and I were missionaries, my dad's, my dad worked with his hands. You know, I grew up working. I grew I, I got a job at 14. The thing that carried me through, yes, was my passion and zeal for the Lord, but it was get up, get stuff done. Uh, we were sharing in our online missions class, uh, yesterday or the day before love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and all of your strength. And that's a physical thing. That's a physical Mm -hmm. word. It's not uh, spiritual strength. And, Mm -hmm. and Roland said it best. I think he said, when your head hits the pillow at the end of the night, did you pour out everything? Did you, did you give him everything during that day? Mm -hmm. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and I, I love, I love that. You can't always say it, right? Because, uh, you don't want to hurt people's feelings, but the reality is, um, he sends out workers into the harvest field. You know, I don't, the harvest field is something that is, well, you know, it's planted, it's plowed, it's watered, it's, it's taken care of, it's monitored, it's prayed over. And then, and then it comes to harvest time and that, and that is nonstop work. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I, I just, this is a works gospel. And I mean that in the sense that we don't gain uh, grace or favor uh, or love by the work that we do, but Jesus calls us to do work for the harvest field. He sent people out. He said, go and prepare a way. Like, that's not just sitting and praying. That's that's going, yep. uh, plowing, yep. you know, digging, spending time with people. And uh, And I just think you model that so beautifully, Liz. Um, Liz, if people want to connect with you, first of all, I, mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to do this, but if you want to connect with Liz, if you want to support what she's doing, if you want to support the Iris F- Farm Project, I'm, I might get yelled at for doing this, but it's okay because uh, I, I, I want you to, to do that. Um, 
if you can go to our Iris Global website, uh, irisglobal.org, there's there's some information there on the farm. If if you feel led to 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 be a part of it, there's some information on there, and and I believe there's even a tab for you, Liz, uh, if the people want to support you uh, personally. Uh, what most people don't know is that uh, most all of our missionaries around the globe, and I know Liz is in Pemba, they're they're running uh, on a shoestring, and uh, it. I know that as you listen to this and as you hear Liz share, uh, some of you can't go, but you can surely uh, get behind some of these that that are. And so if you're a farmer and you want to connect, connect. If you're a mom and you want to connect, connect. Uh, Just there's some information on her website. You can reach out to her personally. I I told you her Instagram. I think there's Facebook as well, Liz Glem, G-L-E-M. And you can... E-L-I-E. Potato, potato. They'll figure it out, Liz. Uh, hey, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, you can you can come and, and run alongside Liz. I, Liz, you know, I, I don't do that. I really don't. I'm not supposed to, but I don't care. I'll break a couple of rules for you, girl. You're spectacular. So, Liz, how long have you been married? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not married. Oh, okay. So what you just volunteered is that you're single. Is that, is that what you just decided to ch- tell me? <laughs> Um, and, uh, <laughs> so there's, there's Instagram, all that stuff. I, I feel, you just shared that. I didn't feel comfortable sharing it. I, I must've misunderstood. I, I, I'm sorry. You must've been talking about the Lord, uh, when you shared that, like, Hey, I'm married. Uh, so I, I misunderstood. So, uh, great. Um, and anything else you want to share, Liz? <laughs> oh my gosh. Anything on your heart? Anything on my heart? Um, I'm just I'm just beyond thankful that I get to do what I do and be where I am right now. I can't think of anywhere else I would rather be, and I honestly mean that. So, um, when my wife went out to uh, Central Mozambique during the during the floods or during the the, um, I want to say hurricane because I'm from Massachusetts and that's what we had, but the <laughs> cyclone. Um, she knew you a little bit, knew about you, but just fell in love with with you and um, and with Kelly. Uh, you're you both of you. I know you're really close. Kelly's our pilot. Um, you guys model something that puts most people uh, just to shame <laughs> on a good day. You model love, passion for the Lord, hunger for the gospel, discipleship. And you're out there just kicking butt, chopping snakes off, uh, heads off snakes, and just <laughs> loving the Lord with all your heart. We need more people like you, Liz. And uh, I know you don't like, yeah, I know you don't like being in the spotlight. It took me a long time just to get you on here, but I'm so grateful. I want the world to see, um, of course, what we're doing uh, with Heidi and Rollin. I get uh, the spotlight just because I'm loud, uh, but, but, when I meet our missionaries, when I get to spend time and for years I've known you and run with you, you guys are the true face and the hands and feet of Jesus on the ground with the poor, the sick and the needy. And, uh, and I'm so grateful to just take this moment to share you with the, with the world. Uh, and you know, Liz, Liz is going to be sharing at our online uh, missions school. And by the time this gets out, you'll probably already have shared but if you want to listen to that, 
just uh, shoot us an email at Iris Global, and uh, we'll try to get that session up so people get to hear uh, hear the preach come out of you too, because you carry a, just a powerful <laughs> message. Uh, Liz, thank you so much. Thank you, Will. Yeah, you're awesome. You're you're one of our heroes, <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, we're 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 so grateful to be running alongside of you and just be back here from the states cheering you on. And the time that I get to come over and hang out, it's uh, it's just the best. So, yeah, yes, love you, Liz. Yeah. Hey, can you do one thing before we close? Would you mind just praying sure. for people that are that heard heard what you said? Maybe they're processing some stuff. Like, hey, I. I lost a lot of people or, and I want to go, but I haven't, you know, will you just, will you just pray for those who are watching that Jesus would speak to them the same way maybe that he spoke in that still small voice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Heavenly father, we come before you uh, tonight and we just thank you for your love and we thank you for um, your sacrifice and Jesus on the cross. And father, I just ask that um, for those that, have suffered loss or have gone through tragedy or trauma or anything of that sort. Um, people that, that have things that, that have really hurt them. Lord, I pray that you would come and meet them in the whisper, the way that you, the way that you come and the way that you meet. And Father, I pray that you would move in the hearts of those that, that have doubts, Father. And I pray that you would, would um, bring your peace and your love and your joy deep within them. And Father, I thank you that you are always present and with us. And we thank you that you are our peace in every storm. And we thank you that um, answers don't need to be found or had before we can say yes and step out. And so I just ask that you would meet each of those people um, that are in this place right now. We love you and give you all the glory. Amen. Amen. Liz, you're awesome, girl. We love you massive. My wife says hi. And, uh, hi, Moosey. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll talk later. All right. Thanks, Will. Yeah. Bless you, Liz. And bless you guys. Thank you for watching. Uh, This has been just a really special episode for me, Um, getting to share some of our team on the ground in Mozambique. There's hundreds, uh, over 400, uh, just like you, Liz, that are plugging away in Iris right now around the globe, 80 locations. I'm going to do my best to share some more of their stories um, over, over this next coming season. And, uh, and I want to ask you if it bless you in, in YouTube, just put a comment below. Uh, let, let people know, uh, let, let Liz know what you think and, uh, and share this. You know, we do this because we love you guys. We want to get, uh, as much of the beauty of the gospel and this beautiful, you know, body of Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord out there to encourage you. Uh, and, and, and if this did bless you, share it, share it with somebody. And uh, we will see you on the next Iris Global Green Room. Yeah, quarantine edition. Love you guys. Bless you. We'll talk to you later.